We may be few, but my goodness, are we mighty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those of you who've been around for a while, you may have heard me tell this story. A preacher was talking to one of his church members and asked how he was doing. And the guy answered, well, I guess I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And the preacher responded, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? The guy spluttered around for a minute or two, and he just looked at the preacher, and he had no answer for that question. And I want to ask you all the same question. What are you doing with the circumstances in your life? Are you on top of your circumstances, or are they overwhelming you? Now think about that for a little bit. Now I want to go back to an Old Testament story. This is from the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. There was a great distress over the land. They were in occupied territory. The enemy was surrounded the city. There was famine in the land, and food costs were through the roof. It was so bad that people were resorting to eating donkey's heads and even cannibalism in order to try to survive. One woman told her neighbor, today we'll eat your child and tomorrow we'll eat mine. Only she reneged on her part and did not kill her child. These things got to the king's ears and he got really mad at the prophet Elisha, thinking that God had done these things And the prophet was the one who had spoken it into existence. And he vowed to cut off Elisha's head. Now that's what you get when you get to be a prophet. But the prophet was not moved by the king's anger. Instead, he prophesied that the next day there would be plenty of food for all the land. Prophesied, okay? Now in the field... There were a couple of lepers that were holding a conversation. And they were saying that the circumstances were so bad that they, where they were living, and they were likely to die soon. But they looked over at the enemy camp, and they decided amongst themselves, well, you know, if we die, we may as well die over there as anywhere. So they went into the enemy camp. But what did they find? They found nothing, and they found everything. No soldiers, no weapons, no enemy but plenty of food and gold. They loaded up and took a lot of that stuff home with them, and then they came back for more. But their consciences got hold of them, and they went and told the king that the enemy camp was empty of soldiers, but they had plenty of food. So the word of the Lord, spoken through Elisha the day before, came to pass. There was food, plenty of food for all the people. Now this story is significant for a couple of reasons. Look at the circumstances that we're all living with these days. Unlike the people in those times, we don't eat donkey heads. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad we don't. (laughs) And they sold for an exorbitant amount of money anyway. And thank God we haven't fallen into cannibalism yet. But we are experiencing food shortages, sky-high prices. Last week, I had to pay over four pounds for a dozen eggs. That's outrageous. So we know a little bit, a little bit, about what those folks were going through. For for us, it's just an inconvenience. For them, it was real life and death issues. But the most important part of this story isn't about the famine, or the enemy, or the lepers resolving to die somewhere, even in the enemy camp. 
The most significant part about this story is that it was only one word from God that changed the entire episode, changed the history of those two days, and brought victory to God's people. Now, I've often spoken about the fact that Jesus' appearance on earth divided history. The dates are recorded as B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, meaning the year of our Lord. So all the world's history has been divided and impacted by that one event. The world's history has been divided by that one event. That is so powerful in my mind that just... Now let's look at our own history. How one word from God can change everything for us. Now, we all know that the whole Bible is called the Word of God, right? So the entirety of Scripture can be that one word. Yes? Okay. And Jesus is also called the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we're in a sticky situation, the first step out of those messes is realizing that Scripture is the word that can help change our history by giving us wisdom and understanding and direction. Secondly, we know that by taking our sticky situations, the circumstances that we're laboring under, to Jesus, who is the word, that will enlist his help through the Holy Spirit to overcome any problem that we may be facing. Then we get to the part where each situation that we face has a specific word in scripture that we can apply to our circumstances. Now I've got a set of small books here um, from Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. They're the one word from God series. They can change your destiny, your finances, your prayer life, your family, and your health. So if anybody wants to borrow those, you can, you can borrow them. The best part though is that these circumstances can be personal for you. Now, I want to to give you a couple of examples. I know we're not supposed to give personal examples, but they're my testimony as well. They're not just examples. They're my testimony. So the, the testimony of the Lord is prophecy. When I tell something that's happened to me that God has done, that's a prophetic word for you all to take as well. So that's why I do this, okay? Many years ago, I... Oh, gosh. 50 years ago, I was seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was really fearful of receiving a wrong spirit if I opened myself up to those kinds of things. You know how you're taught as a child from other religions. Oh, no, 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 sister, you don't want to do that. You're liable to get a devil and you just open. No, 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 tongues. Uh, uh, no, no, no. You want to. So I was scared, you know. But, but I had been reading about it in the scripture. So I wanted to get the best that I could get from the Lord. And I continued to press the Lord for what I understood at that time. And I knew that scripture says that the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues. So there I am at the altar, kneeling. Now, this was when I could kneel. <laughs> and I keep hearing the phrase, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. So I said to the Lord, well, that can't be tongues. I understand what that means. (laughs) 
And I could hear the Lord speak to me with a huge grin in his voice. He says, do you really think that the devil would put words in your mouth that give me praise? I thought, well, no, duh. (laughs) That one word from God changed my spiritual life forever. And it can yours too. And here's another example. When I read in the scriptures, Joshua 24, 15, where it says at the end, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I began praying for my family, especially my brother and my three sisters. They're all gone now, but each one of them came to accept the Lord before they passed away. That one word from God changed the spiritual dynamic of all my siblings as I kept praying it all through the years for them. And they can change those situations for your families as well. If you have unsaved loved ones, continue to stay that. My house, we will serve the Lord. That's everybody. That's all your family. So continue praying in that. One more example, and then I'll go on. I'd been studying um, Isaiah 54, 5, where it says, For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the the whole earth shall he be called. Now, I was getting ready to move into a new apartment a few years before I came over to England, and I had to go through a credit check, as you do. And there were a couple of things that I thought might be massive problems that my ex-husband had incurred but were still in my name. So I began praying to the Lord, asking him to intervene in the situation. Well, when the credit report came back, just like Florence's medical report, it was all clear. And again, I heard the Lord speak to me. And he says, well, what do you think a husband is for if not to protect his beloved? That one word of God changed everything for the course of my life over the next few years. You see, these are all rhema words. Words from the Lord that explode in your heart and produce the kind of faith that prompts God to come to your rescue to move on your behalf, that allows the Holy Spirit to do work where you need supernatural action to take place. You may go for years reading the same gospels, the same epistles, the same promises, and it all seems to be a bit same old, same old, same old, same old. Well, I read that before. I understand what that means. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean, okay, fine, it's the word of God, whatever. You know, (laughs) we do get complacent sometimes. But, but, When the pressure is on, those words from God can jumpstart your faith and cause God to activate your angels, as Julie said a few weeks ago, and get you out from under any adverse circumstance that you may be facing. One word from God can change everything. Everything. But you have to know what the word of God is for yourself, intimately and personally. For one person, it's that scripture where Jesus calls healing the children's bread. So when their child is ill, that word can cause faith to rise in their spirits for healing for their babies. For another, it's the story of where Jesus tells Peter to take a fish, and from its mouth comes enough money to pay the temple tax for both of them. That word can release faith for you to know that God will be in your finances with you. For still another... 
It can be reading through those boring lists of names that nobody can pronounce and realize that some of those names are 3,000 years old, but they're still remembered by God. So your name will also be remembered by God our Father. Now, we're, getting re- we're in now into the Advent season, the time of the year when we remember the birth of Jesus. And it would be good if we could take this time to refresh ourselves on those momentous events of Jesus' life. One suggestion has been to read one chapter of the Gospel of Luke every day until Christmas. And by doing so, you'll have covered his entire life from the conception of John the Baptist, who was the first to leap with joy in his mother's womb when he encountered Jesus, to the miraculous story of Jesus' own conception and birth through all the miracles of his life, leading up to his loving sacrifice on the cross, through to his triumphant resurrection that provided the proof of our own faith. In that gospel, we'll encounter many, many of these one-word-from-God moments that will also leap with joy in your heart when you need them the most. Most of all, remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. One word from God changes everything. Now, I want to give you 12 words for this next year. One for each month. They're the names of God. And if you'll take each word and meditate on it for one month and let the truth of each of these names of God soak down into your spirit, by the end of 2023, you will see great things happening for you. Number one is Elohim, creator. God is our creator. He creates miracles for us. He creates joy for us. He creates everything that we need. If you need anything and it's not in your realm of understanding, then begin to meditate on his creative power. Everything that you see around you, he created. The materials for the stuff in our lives, the wisdom and innovation for people to produce it all. And just think of this one. All of the water that ever will be was made a creation. Man cannot make water. Only God made water. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing to me. Second one is El Roy, the God who sees me. He actually sees you. Now, there's an old story of a missionary who went to a foreign land And one of the natives took him around to look at all the stone gods that they had. And the native says, see how many gods we have? And the missionary replied, yeah, I see them. But I only have one God, and he sees me. God sees everything about us. The way we've come, the way forward, the twists and turns and ups and downs. He sees us. He is not blind to our circumstances. He sees us. Not only our circumstances, but he sees our heart. He sees our spirit. He sees our motives and our way of thinking. He sees us. Number three, Adonai, Lord and Master. As we learn, and this is sometimes a hard lesson, As we learn to relinquish our place on the throne of our own lives 
and allow God to have supremacy, we learn that he is a good God, a wise God, one who not only sees us, but cares deeply for us. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is the one who cares the most about us. As much as we care about ourselves, he cares about us umpteen million thousand hundred forty billion times more than that. He, he cares about us enough that he died for us. Now that's, that's pretty deep caring. Amen? Amen. Number four, El Shaddai. I love that name. Almighty God. Nothing is too hard for him to accomplish. The things that seem so horribly insurmountable to us are nothing in his sight. Like that song that we sometimes sing. There is no mountain that he won't climb up, no wall that he won't tear down coming after us. He is the Almighty. Nothing will stand in his way to accomplish the things that he has planned for us. Nothing but our own stubbornness and our own inability to relinquish the throne to him. Number five, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Just like the word name creator, whatever we need, he will provide. Like the fish with the tax money that Jesus told Peter to catch. Just like the manna in the desert for the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, or the water out of the rock. It may take a miracle, but he's in the miracle-making business. That's who our God is. Okay? Number six, Jehovah Nisi, my banner. When the Hebrews came out of Egypt, Moses told them to congregate in sections according to the tribes of the 12 sons of Jacob that each family claimed as their origins. And each tribe had its own banner or family flag to follow. We now follow the flag of God. And as one old song says, his banner over me is love. We know that when God's love covers us, we can cover each other with that same kind of love. That's our banner. That's our flag. That's the, that's the nation. That's the national pride that we have. God's banner over us being love. Number seven, Jehovah Shalom, my peace. <laughs> How often do we all get out of sorts and aggravated and frustrated and lose our peace, our peace of mind, our peace of spirit. Coming to church this morning, I had to go pick Florence up, and people were driving so slow in front of me, and I'm just going, rah, 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 and then I was, stop it. You can't, Mary, you can't be teaching about peace on this one and not ask the Lord for peace over this. So, okay, Lord, please restore my peace. Keep me peaceful. Don't let me get all ratty with everybody. Keep me in peace. And I calmed down, praise God. <laughs> When we take time to realize that God is our peace, then peace comes. It is one part of the fruit of the Spirit and one that we need more and more as the days grow more and more troublesome. Remember that he is our peace. We don't have to be out of sorts with the world's nonsense. He is our peace. Number eight, Jehovah Tzikenu, our righteousness. When we get to thinking that we're a total hot mess, a failure at everything we touch, we only have to remember that none of that means anything. God is our righteousness. He is our right standing with himself. When the enemy comes at us with our sin, our failures, and our flaws, 
Jesus himself steps in the way and he says, nope, this one is hidden in me. I am his righteousness. Don't ever forget that. Whenever the enemy comes at you, God is our righteousness because he lives in us. Okay? That, that's a powerful one. You remember that one. Number nine, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And this name is ascribed to Jerusalem and the temple there, indicating that the once departed glory of the Lord, that's from Ezekiel, had returned. And when we start to feel like the Lord has left us, we remember this name and realize that as the living tabernacle of God, his presence lives in us. He is there, right there inside of us. Not by any kind of goodness that we have done or are, but because of his mercy and his grace. Number 10, Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies and makes us holy. God makes it clear that he alone, not the law, can cleanse his people and make them holy. When we feel like we've got to do everything absolutely correct or God won't love us, and it becomes almost an obsessive compulsion to pray ten times a day or fast every other Tuesday or do any number of things to become holy or to prove our holiness to ourselves, which is even worse, then this name of God, this one word of God can change that. He is our holiness. He cleanses us. Number 11, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I am Jehovah who heals you is in Exodus 15, 26. And he heals us both in body and in soul. In body by preserving from and curing our diseases. In our souls by pardoning our iniquities. Who doesn't need healing in one form or another throughout their life? This name of God can build our faith to receive any healing necessary. Any healing. Ingrown toenail. Cancer. Breathlessness. Headaches. Backaches. Overweight. This one, he is our healer. He is our healer. Number 12, Jehovah-Rohi, Lord, our shepherd. After David pondered his relationship as a shepherd to his sheep, he realized that that was exactly the relationship that God had with him. So he declares, Jehovah-Rohi is my shepherd. I shall not want. This one psalm can be the crowning overall word from God. As our shepherd, he leads, guides, feeds, chases, rescues, keeps, protects, and calls us by the names that he has given us. Beloved, we don't have to fear. We don't have to thirst. We don't have to be anxious over anything. He is always with us. So you see... These one words of God can carry you through anything, can mend anything, can restore anything, can create anything that your spirit needs 
anytime you need it. So take these ideas and make these one word from God moments your meditation for when you need an extraordinary something or other from the Lord. And then realize that they are the ordinary, everyday blessings that can be ours even in extraordinary times. We may have tough times ahead. The world is getting more and more out of sync with God's ways. But God is getting us ready to be more and more in sync with his ways. The progressive and liberated ways of the world are progressing toward the actual slavery of people's souls. And instead of true freedom and liberation, they're bringing people under the yoke of delusion and twisted thinking. As Paul taught in 2 Timothy chapter 3, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers and false accusers, incontinent and fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors and heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, Paul says. But even in those circumstances, God can rescue us, bless us, keep us, and make us overcomers. So I want to invite you all to find your one word from God, or many words, things that will feed your faith, strengthen you, give you courage, and bring peace and grace of God to bear on your own lives. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share these one word from you this morning. And Father, I ask that you show each and every one who hears this message that you will find, help them find their one word from you for this next week, for the next month, throughout the Christmas season, and for next year. Father, bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.